You can be seated. Okay, now listen, 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 listen. Turn to Genesis chapter 1 first. How many good Christians do we have in, in here with us this morning? Amen. Now say amen. That's not a trick question. Good Christian, you got good Christians, believe that the Bible is true, right? How many good Christians we got believe the Bible is true? Amen. All right. So you believe the Bible is true, then when you read something in there, and you believe it's true, that means you can't run from it. You can't run from it. One of the biggest enemies that you're going to face in your walk with God, I'm talking about those of us who got places to go. Some people ain't got nowhere to go. They ain't made up their mind. They ain't going nowhere. They're going to sit down. All right? But for those of us who realize that there's kingdom work that has to be done, one of the greatest enemies that you're going to have is people. The thoughts of people. Right? The opinions of people. Right? And you're one of them people. So sometimes your own thoughts and your own opinions is going to be the thing that's going to stop you from doing what God said you can do. Right? And sometimes it's going to be the opinions of friends or family members or people close to you that are that are going to try to cast their opinion on you. And then it's going to mess with your mind and stop you from doing what God already told you you can do. And oftentimes what happens is we go back to God after God said that we have the ability to do something. We go back to God and we say, God, this can't be done. And God said it can be done, but your mind's all messed up with them people's thoughts in your head. Come on now. He said, instead of, instead of my thoughts being in your head, you got folks' thoughts in your head. I, I wish that my pastor, uh, well, I ain't gonna say I wish because I believe I'm in the spot. I'm gonna just say it like this. I believe I could have went through a lot less trouble if my pastor would have just told me to shut up. A couple times. Just shut up. But the preacher ain't going to tell you that because they think he's not going to come back next week. But sometimes that's exactly what we need. The preacher just tell you shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Right? And it ain't until I got in this spot right here to where I value somebody in authority who knows more than I do to tell me to shut up. Right? Because sometimes you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. Right? Until you get in that spot. you Listen, everybody can backseat drive, but you ain't even got a permit. <laughs> everybody can backseat drive. You can sit in the backseat and tell somebody, I would, I could, and this, that, and the other. Look, you, listen, you, you, I, I, I sit you in the seat right now, and you're going to take out every curb on the block. <laughs> Am I telling the truth or not? That's the first thing when you start driving, you start hitting them curbs. Right? Because you're trying to figure out how, what, you know, how to keep the car, how to make a turn. You're going to tell me how to drive and you don't even know how to make a turn. Why do you think the kids always bring the car back with a dent in it when they first start driving? Right? Right? So, so listen, you have, to get, you have to get yourself to the point to where you have to understand sometimes your decision is going to make some folks mad. That's just what it is. God's decision made folks mad. But, but, but if God told you to do it, you can't worry about whether the folks are going to get mad and some of the folks are not going to hang around or whatever like that. Being a pastor, that's a difficult thing. Right? Because you want everybody to stay and then you're under the pressure of what everybody thinks. How come ain't nobody here? How come this person left? Well, they left because they wanted to. Right? You know, you can't lock nobody down here. They leave because they wanted to. That's just what it is. And man, you're talking about that's one of the biggest things that I had to get over during this, this time here. I, I told you when I first got here, uh, I think there was about 40, 45 people going to church here when I got here. 
And so I, and we're, there's probably nine left of those original, and we're about 50 people now, right? Uh, but I mean, during that time when people was jumping off the boat, you know, it, it messed with me because I think about how people look at me where they think, it's, you know, it's my fault. Well, I can't be nobody more than I am, and I probably could have done some other stuff to help them stay, a little bit more butt kissing and help them stay. I probably could have done that, but that's not me. All right, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. So that was one of the most, most difficult things for me to learn is, is that it's to try to, un, to do the best I can to hear God's voice and go in that direction. There's stuff that God's going to tell you to do. God's going to give you, going to tell you that I'm going to back you on it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm behind you. I'm going to support you. But when you start letting your family members and your friends and people close to you start talking you out of what God has gifted you and called you to do, that's on you. That's not on God. That's a hard lesson to learn. And, and most people never get to the place to where God wants them to be because they won't pick that up. They won't pick it up. People are going to get upset with you. They're going to get upset with you. If you start that business, people are going to tell you, they're going to they're say, you, you ought to think about that. But I tell my son right here, I tell him, I tell my son, I say, listen, I'm the only person that you take advice from that has not made it uh, to where you're trying to go. In other words, if they ain't done it, don't listen to them. I'm the only person because I'm his daddy. And I'm telling him all my mistakes and everything I learn as I go. I didn't have a dad to, te- to teach me along the way. But I tell him, don't listen to nobody else. If they can't prove it, that they already succeeded at it, you don't, don't you listen to them. Amen. Right? And I'm going to tell you, again, a lot of times it's very difficult. Jeff, it's difficult to... to, to uh, to go through something. You got your whole team, your family members, and all the people that you live with all your life, and then you start breaking loose from the pack. It's like running a marathon. You're running with them, you're jogging with them the whole way, and then you can see, hey, the uh, the victory uh, in sight. Hey, this race is about to be over. And so you start running a little bit harder. They tell you, hey, look, why are you separating from us? You're trying to show up? You're trying to act like you're better than we are? No, I want to win. I can't help it that you don't want to exert more energy to win. And so when, when you when you headed in a direction, again, we're always basing this on doing things for God. That's where I come from with everything. Right? If God has called you to do something, there's a mark that you have to hit just like a business person. You got to hit that mark. And, and people are going to always have opinions of how you should do something, how you should do this and that and the other. They, you can't be worried about that. Amen? Uh, I'm sure Pastor Ben, when Pastor Ben quit his job, Right? And then decided he was going to go into business for himself. Probably folks around think, man, you sure you want to do that? And some of them cared about him. Yeah, and, you're, and that don't mean your folks are mean to you. That don't mean, mean when people try to tell you or warn you. That don't mean they don't care about you. But but if you know that God told you to do something, you have to be willing to let them think you're crazy for a while. <laughs> it's just what it is. You have to be willing to do that. So let's look at something. I want to go through something this morning, and, and, and we're talking about development. That's why I'm down this whole road. We're talking about personal development, self-development, amen? But we're not talking about self and personal development away from God. We have proved that God wants us to develop. God wants us to grow. There is nothing that God has ever created that does not naturally grow and develop on its own. Nothing. Every flower that God ever created... It, it's supposed to grow. If the flower ain't growing, what is it? It's dead. If it's not changing, it's dead. Even the insects are changing. Have you ever just checked, thought about a fly? I'm cooking barbecue going back and forth at the restaurant. Flies cold. <laughs> I would just think how you get that much intelligence in that brain. 
Because they're only about this big and they don't live but a couple of days. But they will wait on me. They'll, they'll land. Listen, it's a true story. They'll land on the door and wait till I open it. And then they'll zzz. <laughs> they go in. They, they do it. They go in. They do it all. But I, I'm going to tell you, man, listen, man. Oh, man, I learned so much from flies, man. <laughs> I learned so much from flies. But I get them now. I get them, be give now. See, what I learned about the flies is that if when I take the sausage box outside to put the sausage on, what I do is I keep that sausage box, Lenny. And so I take that sausage box and I put that sausage box on the ground. And the flies will accept that as an offering. <laughs> right? So that sausage box will keep them busy and I can come and go out there. As long as I give them something to, see, I, I smart the flies. <laughs> right? But it's development. And that didn't just happen overnight. That didn't just happen. That happened because of the frustration of the fly. Everything you do, and, and, and you will develop over the course of time. Yeah. Right? But how long is it going to take you to develop? Now, you can accelerate the development by doing certain things on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? Over the progression of time, if you are not, if there's no, no mental challenges there, over the progression of time, you will develop. All right? But we want to, we don't want to just be like, not putting any effort to our development, we want to develop on purpose. We want to we want to grow faster. We don't just want God to drag us along. What kind of help are you to God when you just you know you that that lay down Christian, and then then God just got to drag you by the boot you know everywhere we going. Come on, come on, we going to this place. We going to that place of blessing, and and everything you you learn is because you hitting your head and God dragging you. <laughs> we don't we don't want that. We don't want that. We want to. We want to stand up on our feet and say, "God, show me something." Yeah. I want to learn. I'm not gonna make you drag me everywhere. I'm gonna come behind you, and I want you to teach me what you need to teach me, so I can get to where I need to get to. Come on, man. Amen. We want to develop. Let's look at some in Genesis chapter one. You know, why, why do you think people hate? You know, they, they they people just grossly dislike some business. Some successful people get hated on all the time. I bet this, and I bet this, and I bet that because they make decisions, and sometimes people get mad. You can't. You're not gonna succeed. They're trying to make everybody happy. Some of the people come in a restaurant sometime and they say to me about the ribs. They say, you know, these ribs, I don't like the way you season them. You should do this, this, and this, and such a rib like this, this, and this. I'm thinking, you know, man, I got 4.9 out of 5 star rating on Facebook and Google. You think I'm going to listen to you to tell me how to change these ribs? Come on now. I don't know nobody else in the area got a 4.9 rating. And this ain't no five people that I know. I don't even know most of these people rate this stuff. And these Google reviews, I don't know. And then you get somebody on there ignorant and say, well, hey, the prices is too high and this kind of stuff. And I didn't care for the, man, cool, cool that you didn't like it. That don't bother me no more because I ain't even think about y'all. We done broke through. I got so many people that love the food. I don't care. Now, when they first used to say that, I got bothered by it. Oh, my feelings would be hurt. They don't like my barbecue. Oh, my God, we ain't going to make it. They don't like it. You can say what you want to. Now we're going down the road. There's too many people that like it. I'm still, hey, we, we gone. We just keep growing. We keep developing. We keep learning. We keep doing better. We learn how to advertise. Listen, when somebody didn't know what they was doing, we started this thing. I think we're doing outstanding. Amen. No restaurant experience whatsoever from nobody. Yeah. Just some people who trust and believe God got started on. Amen. Yeah. So listen, every, every, people going to always try to tell you how to run your business. But they don't have nothing invested in it. 
Right? That's one thing you got to understand. If people don't have anything invested in what you're trying to do, you have to limit what you, what you hear from them. I remember one time, I know my dad, my dad, he loves me. And my dad, he told me, he says, he calls me Dion. He said, Dion, you, you work so hard. He said, you take on this, 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 and you got a lot on your shoulders. And why don't you cut back this, this, and this? I'm thinking to myself, man, I, listen, I, I learned, I manage stress. Stress is going to be on no matter what situation. Listen, let me tell you something. You got a business. And you get in that business, you start thinking about how stressful that business is. I want you to think about how stressful it is to be broke. How stressful it is not to have nothing. You want to know stress and folks over there cutting off stuff and taking your calls and all that kind of stuff. Now, nah, I'd rather be stressing over some how we're going to make the business work than them taking stuff. So you're going to have stress in whatever you do, right? Whatever God asks you to do, it's going to be some stress. That don't mean you pack it in and quit. Because this is not about money, this is about souls. Yeah. When God asks you to do something, money may be involved, but at the end of it, it's about winning people. That's right. And so you can't be like, this is too hard, God, I can't do it. No, because if you don't do it, who's going to do it? He ain't coming back till it's wrapped up. We all he got. That's right. So that means you got to grow. And you got to do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Because this is too important. This is more important than any business. People are more important than any business. Amen? Amen. So let's look at God's intention for, for people when he created us. Talking about development. We're still talking about growing and development. We're going we're gonna to look at this and then we're going to look at a story of a guy and see how, uh, see his pathway to development and, and, and just, you know, take a look at it and see if it was a good way to go or not. So Genesis chapter 1, let's look at this. It says, in the beginning God created, and Lord, I just thank you, another opportunity to speak to your people. Yes. I need you, you speak. Um, speak to me and speak to them. Amen. In the beginning, God prepared and formed and fashioned and created. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Version. He uh, prepared, he formed, he fashioned, and he created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and empty and, and waste and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, and brooding over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Somebody say good. It was, it was suitable and pleasant, and he approved it. And God separated the light from the darkness. Uh, verse 5, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was the evening and the morning uh, one day. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament, an expanse in the sky, in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from below and from the waters from above. And God made a firmament in uh, the expanse, and separated the waters which were under the expanse, from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the firmament heavens, and there was the evening, and there was the morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be collected in the one place of standing, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and he accumulated the waters and called it the seas. And God saw that, that it was good. Somebody say it was good. It was good. Fitting and admirable. And he approved it. And say God approved it. Right, Verse 11, and God said, let the earth put forth tender vegetation plants, yielding seed and fruit trees, yielding fruit whose seed was in itself according to its kind upon the earth. And it was so, and uh, the earth brought forth vegetation and plants, yielding seed according to their own kind, and the trees bearing fruit in which was their seed, each according to its kind. God saw that it was good, suitable, and admirable. Somebody say, God saw it was good. Do we have a theme? Are we, are we seeing a theme, a pattern here? Yes, sir. Right? Uh, what verse we in? 
13. Right. And there was an evening in the morning, the third day. And God said, let the light, let, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens and separate the day from the night and let the signs be tokens of God's provident care to mark the seasons, the days and the years. And let the, let them be lights in the expanse of the sky and give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, uh, a greater light, the sun, to rule over the day and a lesser light, the moon, to rule over the night. And he also made the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and, and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Somebody say he saw it was good. He saw it was good. Right? Uh Fitting, pleasant, and he approved it. Verse 19, and there was evening, and there was morning of the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly a swarm of living creatures, and birds fly over the earth, over the expanse of the heavens. For those of us who like the fish, here we go. Right. And God created the great sea monsters and everything, living, a living creature that moves uh, which the waters brought forth abundantly according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Somebody say, he saw it was good. Suitable and admirable, he approved it. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful. Uh, God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the fowl uh, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. So we see so far that God, everything he made, he made sure it was good. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, we're going to see why he's doing this in a minute. And then he says to the, uh, another thing we need to point out right here, is he says to the, the, the birds and everything, the animals that he created, he told them to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, what? Develop, grow. Yeah, that's good. Right? Don't stay the same. Understand that everything that God creates, the noise, the normal progression of everything to grow and to change. What happens when there is a, 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 a child and the child is born and, and, and it, then the brain never develops past a three or four year old? That's not normal. Is that right? And so we, we, we're trying to, to, to do things to fix that. We're praying for them because we understand that's not the natural progression. Right? right? The natural progression is for everything to grow. So in your situation, God has given you, made you an entity, and if you ain't growing, that's not natural. If, if things are staying the same, you're not growing, you're not learning, you're not increasing, it's not natural. Amen. All right, so uh, verse 23, 23. And the evening and morning was the fifth day. And now here we go, verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to their kind, livestock. That's what we like over there, brisket. Livestock, creeping things, and wild beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the wild beasts on the earth according to their kinds, and domestic animals according to their kinds, and everything that creeps upon the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Say, he saw it was good. Fitting and pleasant, and he approves it. And verse 26, and God said, let us... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image, after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, to tame beasts, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image and likeness of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth 
and subdue it using all the vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves upon the earth. And God said, see, somebody say see. See. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and all the land and every tree of the seed and in it is fruit you shall have for food. And to all the animals on the earth and every bird of the air and everything that creeps upon the ground, everything uh, where there is breath of life, I have given you green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good suitable and pleasant and he approved it completely and there was every the evening and the morning were the sixth day so God created everything for man right that's why when he was doing all his good checking and make this and he said oh good good every time he made something he said good good every time he made the, the next thing good good why was he doing it he was doing that for the man Amen. he was doing it because he was going to stick the man in the garden and he said I'm going to give the man some good he didn't say, well, it's, it's okay. It's all right. He said, all right. You no know, bird flying through that three or four species of them crippled, you know, and they can't fly straight, but that's all right. He didn't say that, well, the sun only come up sometime. That's all right. It's, it's, it's all right. The moon, it, sometimes it's flickering like a, like a LED light, and it, it don't work all right, but that's all right. Everything he made, it worked the way it's supposed to. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to put these seeds inside of this fruit and these, and these plants. They started his vegetables so that they can keep growing them over and over and over. I don't never have to redo this again. That's good. I'm gonna put these seeds inside of when the pine cone fall down and it's got the seed in itself to regrow another. Everything I make, I'm gonna have them give. Listen, I'm gonna set them up with an endless supply. That's, good. That's what God said. Now the only thing if we go over to the next chapter, the only thing we see is that God said about man, right? Uh, verse one. Now the serpent was more subtle. No, I'm, I'm over the wrong place. Let's go back to uh, chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them were the seventh day, and God ended all his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And God blessed and spoke on the seventh day, and set it apart his own, and hallowed it, because God rested from all his work which he created. Uh, the history of the heavens and the earth, they were created, and in the third day God made the earth and the heavens, uh, when no plant of the field was yet on the earth. No herb of the field was yet sprung up. The Lord God had not yet caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the ground. But there went up a, fo- a mist, a fog, a vapor from the land and it watered the whole surface of the ground. That's why the miracle of Jonah was so so big and so crucial because it had never rained. This is how God was, was watering stuff from a mist. And so, so uh, Noah, when God told him to go build a boat, I'm about to make this rain come he didn't have a precedent that said he had to 100% trust God. It ain't never rained before. And he said, it's going to rain big. Right? Uh, what verse one, two? Seven, seven, okay. So then the Lord God formed a man out of the dust of the ground, breathed in his nostrils, and the man and the breath or the spirit of life. And the man became a, a living being. And the Lord God pl- planted a garden toward the east in Eden. Uh, delight. And there he put the man whom he had formed and framed and constituted out of the out, and out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree pleasant in the sight, desired, good, suitable, pleasant for food, and the tree of life also in the center of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of, uh, between the, the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. Now a river went out of Eden 
to water the garden, and from there divided, became into four heads. The first, the name of the first was the Pishon. It is the one flowing around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Right? And the gold of that land is high quality. Bedlam, pearl, and stone. Right? So here God gave a man all the food. Now we also understand that universal, there's one universal currency accepted all around the world. It ain't dollar bills, it's not the euro, it's gold. Gold is valuable all around the world. So who we find in chapter two that God and gave the man the gold and God didn't say it was bad. He said it was good. Amen. And it was high quality. Amen. Amen. So God purpose for the man was, was to, for, for him to have good. For him to be blessed. That's God's original intention for man. He created an environment that wasn't uh, 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 just thrown together. He created a great environment for man. And everything he created, it was supposed to grow and it was supposed to change. And he even told a man, be fruitful and multiply. Right? So we did. he did a good check on everything he did. The only place where God didn't say it was good, he said it's not good that man should be alone. He said, so, so I'm going to make him a helpmeet. I'm going to make him somebody to go with him. And he put the man to sleep. He took the rib out of the man and he made the wife for the man. There was nothing that God created that had to do with man or mankind that was not good. So where did everything go south? It went south with mankind. It was, this is not, God was not the one who, who wanted the thing to blow up. The man caused the thing to blow up. And man's still blowing up things today. Right? So, so when we get mad and we say, God, why did you let this happen in my life? Why come we can't pay the bills? Why come we ain't where we want to be? God said, I put you in an environment. I gave you all the seeds. I gave you everything you need to make it happen. But you have to look within yourself to see what you're doing wrong, why it's not happening for you. It's not, it's not on God. Remember, remember we did, uh, you were here Wednesday night? The man, uh, we read the scripture where the man says, Lord, if thou art willing, thou can make me clean. Right? Jesus said, I am, be clean. So we, we talked about the nature of God. Do you think it's God, the nature of God to see people healed? Did he ever tell us not to pray for somebody? <laughs> or did he ever tell us to pray for somebody just to be all right? Huh. Or to let them go on and die? Hmm. No, nah, he said every time we pray for folks to be healed. So it's God's will. It's God's will. His nature is for people to be blessed and to be healthy. And so if, 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 if God is willing and God can do it, we have to cross him off the list as whatever is stopping us. It's not God. It's us in our own development. Right? We have to develop. We have to learn. Now remember what we also said is that we, over the course of our life, people have planted seeds into us. They've told us different things. They've taught us different things. Right? You have learned things with somebody not even saying words to you. You've learned things by what you see people doing. Uh-huh. Right? So if you're, you listen, let's, let's go through some of the negative ones, right? If I grow up in the house, and every weekend I see them, or every, every weekend I see people partying at my house, and they getting drunk all the time, I, I don't never have to tell my kid, you know what I'm saying, you, you, you're supposed to drink on the weekends. I don't never have to tell them that, because my actions spoke louder than my words ever could. Right? If I come home every day and my dad come home every day and sit down in the chair and crack him a brew open and sit down and take that, that beer to the head with six more sitting next, five more sitting next to it, I'm telling my son that when you work hard at the end of the day, you need to go get you a beer. With, with my actions. Yep. 
right? So if, if I communicate with my wife in such a way to where I'm calling her names and talking crazy to her, putting my hands on her, what am I doing? I'm telling my son, I'm telling my kids this is how it's supposed to go. So then my daughter, it's not a coincidence that my daughter hook up with somebody who slaps her around and puts up with it because she's seen that happen in her house her whole life. So I'm shaping the person by what that, we're shaped by what we learn. Yeah. Amen? Now in my, my, my house, one of the things that happened when I learned, again, my grandmother was the biggest impact, I think, on my life. She was the nicest person I ever known in, in my life. But I'm a man. Right? I'm a man. My grandmother was the nicest person I've known, but I'm a man. So, so again, we talked about in life, you have to compete. So when it, as far as competition goes, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for me uh, to be a, a, always being nice in competition, even as it, the things of God go. Right? When David and them had to go to war, or Joshua and them was going to war, against those other things, that the territory that God wanted to take, because you may say, well, Pastor, you're supposed to be nice. Sometimes God send you to war and it ain't about being nice. Yeah, that's it. God told him to go to war. He said, we're about to go take the promised land. And he didn't say, you know, he didn't, t- he didn't give David flowers to put in his ear. <laughs> and tell him to go walking through there and say, no, 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 the promised land. Like the Smurfs cartoon or something. The promised land is ours. You guys get out. Because the Lord said we can have it. Oh, you don't want to leave? You can have it. It must be God's will to let you keep it. No, David went up there with some bass in his voice, no flowers in his ear, and said, man, you got two ways. You boys, I'm fixing to take this from y'all and cut everybody up, or y'all can get to stepping right now. Okay? This is God's people. These are God's folks going to war. Take Joshua and them God's folks going to war for this stuff. Everything that God asks you to do is not going to always be nice. Now, it's not going to be rude to people or, or anything like that, but everybody, and what I'm saying is everybody might not like what you have to do. They might not like the decisions that you have to make. They might not like the hours you have to work. Everybody might not go along with what it takes to establish something for God. Let me give, let me give you something. Preacher, I'm still trying to follow you. Where are you going with this? Why is it that they've taken all the Ten Commandments off the wall in the courthouse? Because we're too nice. <laughs> I'm not saying going out with guns and nothing like that, but we don't say nothing. Oh, uh, just, you know. We will now take that back. We do say something. We talk to each other and we complain. They're taking the Ten Commandments off the walls in the courthouse. The country is changing. Everything, this, this, and this. Instead of going on there with some kind of massive protest and say, no, nah, you're not going to take the Ten Commandments off the wall. This country was founded off, off uh, belief in God. And we don't do none of that. That's what we do. We just go around, you know, thinking we're supposed to be nice. And we're good Christians because we do go to church on some Sundays. Right? We're good Christians. You know, all these super giant sized churches, and I'm, I'm not anti mega church. I love them all. And I, I love, I think Joel Osteen does a great job with his work. Some people don't like Joel Osteen. He's a motivational speaker. Let him be that. We got, we need all kinds. Somebody needs We, we need all kinds of whatever. Let him be that. Everybody's not going to be E.V. Hill. Everybody's not going to be this person. Whatever. Let him do it. He's reaching people. Some people in church they ain't never going to reach. Right? And they may be, some of them a little bit lukewarm, but we just keep praying for them to get to the hot side. All right? <laughs> But, 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 we, all we have these, everybody has this mentality of, you know, that we super spiritual because we go to church. Go, Big Al, do me a favor. Uh, go, go raise that, go raise that, uh, screen up. This is highly unorthodox, Pastor. I don't care. That's the way I communicate. 
Everybody thinks that as long as we come to church and be nice to each other, then we're going to be successful. The Bible says that, that faith without works is dead, being alone. So we can come here and be spiritual. We can come here and we need to. We can come here and be spiritual. We can come here and pray. We can come here and read. We can come here and be nice. But there comes a certain point to where we got to go out there. We got to go out past the window. And sometimes the screen or the walls make you forget that there's a world on the outside of this joker. With all kinds of stuff going on. You got all kinds of problems and things going on outside of this world. And sometimes again, the walls and because you can't see out the windows, you forget that there's stuff going on outside of the church. God don't want us to stay right there. We're going to let it right back down in a minute. God does not want us to forget that he wants to leave his footprint and he wants to make an impact outside of the four walls. Yeah. Because some of us sitting in this room right now were outsiders yeah, you were. to the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, it says you were aliens from the covenant of promise. But now we're family. Now you're brought into the family. Right? So every, everybody at one time was not saved. They were in the world. But the church saying, I can't be a part of that. That's the world. Well, how are you going to get the unsaved into the church if you don't never make any kind of contact with the world? And see, let me tell you something. God is not scared of the world. Jesus is not scared of the world. We scared of the world. We don't want to go out there and make an impact. We don't, we don't want to do business. We don't want to get in politics. We don't want to get involved in none of that. Because it ain't no nice, good fellowshipping Christians in them places. But you know what? The fellowshipping nice Christians in this room right here, if we let the people outside of the church keep making a decision, but pretty soon they're going to make their way in here. Them decisions going to get in here. And they're going to come in here and we're going to say, well, you know, well, we, we just want to be nice. We, we ain't hurt nobody. We just nice fellowship and Christians. And y'all come in here telling us we can't sing praise songs. And we have, listen, we have to let uh, homosexual people be in here, the preachers and all that kind of stuff, and run the church and be equal, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Give the pulpit to homosexuals when they want to come say something. Don't speak against sin. Oh, you don't, you don't believe it'll happen? In London, it's already like that. Because we all nice fellowship and Christians. We don't wanna, we don't wanna make no waves. We don't wanna get out there and be a part of nothing. We're gonna let them run everything out there. Because we nice fellowship and Christians. Sometimes you got to take a stand. Jesus didn't give us the gospel to keep it in the church. You let that back, back down, big dog. Thank you. You, he didn't give us the gospel to keep it in the church. Amen. And that don't always look like a church outreach. Sometimes that looks like a you outreach. <laughs> yep. That looks like a you outreach. But when are we going to go out and do an outreach, it's too hot. It's too hot out there. People aren't going to show up. It's too hot. It's time the world changing. People don't like to go outside. They want to look in their phone. They want to look at their tablet. <laughs> right? They want to have a cup of coffee. They want to have a conversation. Right? You sitting up here talking about outreach in front of the church and wondering why nobody didn't show up. I mean, they know the church there already. They would have came in on Sunday, they want to come over there. Right? So you think because you go outside while it's hot and give them a cup of lemonade, that's that's not going, you know, you got to do more than that. That's what I'm saying. Right? But you have to be in outreach. Are you in outreach at your job? (laughs) Are you in outreach in your community? Are you in outreach? Are you waiting on the church to be outreach? What kind of outreach are you? 
Are you are you a businessman who who uh, deals with other business people and lets your light shine in front of them? Are you making an impact on other people with who you are out there? I want you to understand some Joseph. Joseph's gift was not fully celebrated in the church house. His gift was celebrated amongst the sinners. When when that when when them them folks found out that that boy could interpret them dreams of Pharaoh, get that boy in here, let let him let him tell me what's going on. And when he interpreted that dream and saved the whole world from destruction, he was the number two man. He wasn't even the number one man. He was the number two man. But he was God's man who had the ear of the number one man. And I can't tell you some of the stories that I've heard from people who work for a boss that have gotten their boss to cut checks. We've had it benefit to us. Boss ain't no more a, a Christian than a man in the moon. But because their secretary or because one of their co-workers, big time Christian, they talk up the ministry, talk up that check come from the boss. And you, you want to go and thank the boss and shake his hand and he don't even want to talk to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But because God's folks was there, resources got made it to the house of God. Amen. Amen. I can't tell you how many people that I've preached to in offices, concerts. Right? One time over in Brazil, I got a chance to preach to 4,500 people in the streets of Brazil at a secular rap concert because I was an American. I was an American preacher and because I had made movies. He's an American filmmaker. Let him say what he, he wants to say. And I got up there and preached. 4,500 folks. They didn't, they didn't let me do it because I was a preacher. Because I was, I, was a person, I was a person in the community. A rich man took care of me over in Brazil because I was a community activist. In other words, that's how he understood outreach. I did outreach to, to less fortunate people. I was telling them about God. But he didn't care because I was in the community. And so they took care of me. Right. Took care of all my meals, took me to stay in a million dollar home across the street from the beach, took me around. I, just, I, I thought I was going to have to sleep on dirt floors over there. <laughs> right. But it was the, the rich man wasn't the man. It was his employee that had his ear. Right. Praise God for the employees who, who see everybody wants to work in a Christian environment. I just want to be around the Lord. I just want to be around the Lord. And I do too, really, right? Really, I do too. But sometimes you have to go in them secular environments. God wants you, you have to be the Lord's influence in the secular environment. Sometimes God wants you in them environments. Amen? You think, listen, let me tell you something about God. God is not a, not the type of person that, that give up his property. Why do you think the Jews been over there fighting forever? And one, one, Jews like, we ain't cutting no deals. This is our stuff. God told us it's ours and we ain't making no deals. No deal. Right? We got to be a little bit more like our Jewish brothers and sisters sometimes. No deal, devil. Yeah. No deal. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to quit. I don't care who else compromise, who else quit. No deal, Mr. Devil. No deal. <sighs> All right, let me... Am I going there? I think I, I did quite a bit this morning already. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go. I'm going to do that second. I'll finish that next week. I'm going to finish this up. God has the intention for us to increase and to develop. 
to increase and to develop. Yeah, I think I'm going to read it. Now turn with me to uh, go to go to Second uh, Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four. We got to hit this one. Second Kings chapter four. Second Kings four. Okay, and everybody remembers. Why well, don't say everybody? This is the story of when uh, Elisha, who was the successor uh, of the prophet of Israel to Elijah, uh, this is his story of when he met this Shunammite woman. But I want to make a point of his servant. I want us to look at his servant. I want us to look at the development of his servant. So there's many different ways that you develop. Most people develop by making a bunch of mistakes, right? We, we, uh, you know, the, the kid, as kids, we get spankings because making mistakes is a, is a good way to develop. You get a spanking, I have to pop, 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 pop. <gasps> ah, you know, I'm not going to do that no more. I'm going to change. So spankings often bring change, right? But when you're an adult, what's that look like? You know, who's going to run around and spank you? Big Ib, the last time your mama spanked you, right? <laughs> So, so listen, you got to, listen, you're going to either learn how to spank yourself. Yeah. All right. So, but then as an adult, we get spanked in other ways because you're supposed to be at the job site. You're supposed to be at the job site at, at eight o'clock and you, you keep showing up over there at eight o five, eight fifteen, eight twenty, playing around. And then the boss man have to spank you. Not with a belt. They have to spank you by, uh, you lose, you lost your job. You can't come back. Right. Okay. So let's say you're a business owner. And you, you tell the people you're going to open up the doors at 8 o'clock, right? And then you can keep putting signs in front of the door talking about we, we're not going to open until 10, 15 a day. <laughs> we're just going to go fishing today. Shoot, I'm tired. I ain't going at all today. But you're supposed to be open on these days. So then the customer base said, you know what? We ain't going over there. We're just not going to do it. Right. So then you spank by your, your business has to close and you spank by the, the people who uh, Pastor Ben was talking about, these mountain of bills talking crazy to you. See, as an adult, that's the thing about it. We, we, ain't, we don't get in trouble from our parents no more. We get in trouble from our, our mistakes. Right. So we have to develop. But but, you know, getting punished is one way to develop. Right. So let's read this right here. I want to take a look at this. Listen to me. for Give me just a few minutes. Second Kings chapter four, starting at verse one. And I'm going to go to, I think I'm going to read this one in the NKJV. So just for the sake of time. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and a creditor is come, coming to take my two sons and to be slaves. That she is somebody won't, you know, Bill collectors, but they were more serious. It's not like today, right? Today they just call you on the phone, send you an email. This time they come in to take the kids. Imagine that you owe a credit card bill and they start talking about picking up the kids. Some of us would be excited about that. <laughs> Tell the truth. Y'all want them? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Please don't come pick them up. <laughs> right? So they're going to come pick up the kids and make the kids slaves. 
So Elisha said unto her, what shall, uh, so Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing uh, in the house but a, a jar of oil. So by her own admission, her own confession, I ain't got nothing here. I'm broke. I just got some oil. Now, hey, I'm going to tell you what. You, that's broke. <laughs> All the covers are bad. All the only you got some Crisco in, uh, in the cover. You ain't got enough fish to fry with it. Nothing. Eggs. It's just some oil. Anybody ever seen that like that at the house? It's like I, if I had something, I could cook it with this. But I ain't got nothing. I'm sure I don't even need this, right? So she's got it all there, right? Um, what was it, two, three? Three, three. Three. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather a few. And when you have come in, you should shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour it into vessels, and she, and set aside one of the full ones. Set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were, were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and said, go sell the oil and uh, man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And your sons, let you and your sons live off the rest. There's a ton in this little piece right here. And I'll just point out a couple of them. So here she has a problem. She's going broke. The, the creditors are on her in a major way. And uh, what what is God's answer? Does God answer her with a, a check in the mail? Is she over there scratching off lotto tickets? No, nah, none of that's going on, right? God says to her, "Look, I'm gonna put you in business, baby girl, okay? And I'm gonna put you in the, and I'm gonna have you selling all. We don't know if it was fragrance oil or whatever they use it for, just a lamp. We don't know. But He put her in the oil business from what she had. So God says she thought she didn't have nothing. And oftentimes when we find ourselves in the jam, that's the way we think. I don't have nothing. But God never leave you without nothing. Yeah. It might not it might not be physical substance. It can be favor. But God never gonna leave you without something, right? So the woman, she, God used what she had in her house, and and he he does this fantastic miracle to put her in the oil selling business, and she made profit off of it, right? So so here's a situation where we uh, can set a precedent that God will can will put you in business. Right? In order to solve some of your problems. So God is an advocate and a proponent of business. If you study the Jews, and I told you before, the Jews, uh, uh, as a, the size of their people, there's no way that they should have a number of successful Jewish people in the world that they do. But because of the laws of God, because they obey the laws of God, they are some of the most successful people in the world. Yep. Right? Largely. And so, uh, uh, here again, God's answer to her taking care of her stuff was to put her in business, right? So uh, that's not the main point I want you to see, though. I want you to notice what happens here next. Something is revealed, something is exposed, and this this is what I want you to see. Verse 8. Now, it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she uh, she said to her husband, Look now, I know this holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a, a small upper room in the wall and let us put a bed uh, for him there. And and the table and the chair and the lampstand so that, uh, so, that it, so it will be whenever he comes, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room to lay down there. And, and he then he said to Gehazi, 
Well, who is this Gehazi dude that didn't talk nothing about? It's the whole first part of the chapter, all the way down to breaking us into the part of the story with the woman. You know, you think it's just Elijah. It's not just Elisha, but Elisha has an assistant that rolls with him, right? So when we now let's go back up to the first part of what we read. It was not only Elisha there that saw this great miracle where God took one uh, little deal of all and turned it into an all-selling business, but his assistant got the chance to see the, the miracle of God through the hands of the man of God. He this is this is his assistant. He's with him. So that means that when Elisha goes into the upper room uh, to have this place to stay, when he passes by, guess who else gets to stay there too? The assistant who rolls with him is going to be there with him too, right? So this guy just seen God do a major miracle. This, and we're just talking about the stuff that got wrote in the book. Traveling with Elisha, I'm sure he saw God got to do, get to do, uh, he saw God do a bunch of stuff, right? So Gehazi is revealed as part of the team. Finishing 12, okay. Uh, this version, okay. So then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. Uh, when he, when he called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Now listen, man, Gehazi ain't just a bystander in this whole thing. He's got an active role in the team. Elijah's telling him to go talk to the woman. He's even asking him, he asked him his opinion. What should we do for the woman? So he's not just somebody that's, uh, that's standing by watching. He's part of the team. Amen? First uh, was 16. 15 or 16? 15. 15, yeah. So he said, call her, and when he had called her, he, she stood in the doorway, and uh, he said, about this time next year, you shall you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. So he, so he not only asked Gehazi his advice, he took it. Because he prayed. This is what we're going to give her. Yeah. Right? Gehazi is the active role in this whole situation. It ain't just Elisha. Gehazi is part of the team. So he tells her, this time next year, thou shalt embrace a son. She's like, oh my, you know, like she's on the prices right type of situation. Oh no, that type of thing. Uh, but the woman conceived and she bore a son. And when, he, uh, when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her, and the child grew and it happened on one day that he went up out, of, out to his father, to, uh, to, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, my head, my head. So he said to the servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat down on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God. So she took him to the room that she made for the man of God. Right? So this, I see something, the second thing emerging here that I didn't even tend to preach. She respected the power and the anointing so much that number one, she built him a room, and the second thing, she put her dead son on the promise. Yes, she did. Right? I, I believe this dude's anointed. I believe God works through this dude. I'm going to stick him on this bed. I'm sticking with God. Yeah, right? So she puts him on the bed. Uh, uh, then she called her husband and said, uh, hold on. 
Going to be in a man of God. Verse 20, 22. Then she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Then, now, now why don't you, I want you to see how she's protecting herself here. I don't want to take, keep taking rabbit trails, but I keep seeing stuff. The husband wants an explanation. He said that he starts making excuses why she can't go. She said, I'm not even going to start discussing this with you. Probably she was what, emotional? We agree she probably was overcome with emotion. The son just died. She's emotional. She's stirred up, but she ain't fixing to let her conversation get loose. She's going to control her mouth and keep her intentions of what she's about to do. She's not finna even let the husband, you know, talk her out of the situation because she would start talking about I'm going to get the man of God. I believe you're going to raise the son from the dead. The husband probably would have came back with, what you going to do that for? Right? What you going to go do that for? The boy dead. You know, I'm sad. You sad, but he gone. Can, can you see something like that happening? So she just said, I'm not going to even talk to you. I just need you to get the donkey and the servant and let me roll. Okay? So it gets the... Uh, so it was um, so it was when the man of God saw okay no, no let me back up verse 24 then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant drive and go forward and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you so let hit the gas and let's go and so she departed and she went to the man of God in Carmel so it was when the man of God saw her afar off he said to his servant here's Gehazi again in the middle of everything Look at the Shunammite woman. Please run now and meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? So she answered, it is well. Look at that confession, boy. Oh, this woman here. This is a faith woman right here. Now, when she had come to the man of God at the hill, she caught him uh, by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. Gehazi in the middle of the whole thing. But the man of God said, let her alone. For her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to, then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and go and be on your, and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. So look, man, we're learning something here. Keep your mouth closed when it's happening. If you ain't get, listen. You start talking and releasing too much information, person to have you, he's supposed to be on his way over there to go see about the kid. If he stops and he sees somebody and starts talking too much, they've been got talked to him and having coffee and got him over here to heal somebody else. Right? When the, when the assignment is this one right here. What? So you listen, when you're going through it, you have to learn how to keep your mouth shut and only speak at the right time. So he's gone, right? Uh, but Lehman, he says, uh, if you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, don't answer him. But lay your staff on the face of the child. And the mother said, and the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and he followed her. Now Gehazi went in on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child is not, has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was, no, there, was uh, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. And he went up and he lay to lay uh, on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his uh, eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. 
He returned and walked back and forth the house again and went up and stretched himself out on him. Look at that persistence. Right? Listen, the first time I got him warm, but we didn't finish. But I'm not going to quit. I'm going back in there and do it again. Right? So he returned and walked back and forth the house. And again, he went up and stretched himself out on him. And then the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. And, and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came up to him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. And she picked up her son and went out. So here is Gehazi again, still ingrained even the more in this story. Yeah. Right? So he, he sent him ahead. He said, I want you to go take my staff. Represents me, my my authority, my power, my anointing. Take it with you and go over here and lay it on the kid. And and, and he goes over there and doesn't he come back and say I couldn't do it, right? Well, we wondering, you know, at first, what's what's up with Gehazi? If you think maybe if it's me, I might the same thing might have happened to me. But we have to keep going to find out what's up with Gehazi, right? So for the sake of time, for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you what's up with Gehazi. Right? So Gehazi's ingrained. Gehazi's seeing all of the miracles. He, he understands that he's working for God's anointed. He's affiliated with God's anointed. So then, uh, the next thing, if we keep reading, we should see Naaman come, who's a, one of the top ranking officers in the Syrian army, and he comes over there and he's got leprosy. Right now, his, his his wife's handmaid had directed her to go see Elisha and told her that he could he could get him healed. So he gets over there and he gets his healing and he comes back and he wants to pay give an offering to the man of God. The man of God said, "No, this you know I'm not going to take your money for right now." Now that does not set a precedence that, that you don't need money as a man of God or the church. This is one time he said, "Now nah, for whatever reason, you know if God say we don't we don't take it, we don't take it." Okay, so he don't take the offering. So Gehazi, backseat driving the man of God, we should have got that money. We've been eating ramen noodles for two weeks. We can upgrade our food game tremendously with that cash, right? So he pursues the after Naaman and and jumps down off the horse, and Naaman and his caravan see him coming, and he said, "Oh man, you go see what's up with him." So he comes over. He said, "Look, my master, hundred percent changed his mind." He woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. He was not thinking. Okay. <laughs> so what he told me to come back and get some of that gold. He told me to come back and get some clothes. Yeah. That's about, that's about my, now that's about his size. Right there. Let me get that stuff right there. Right. So he gets the clothes and he gets the money and he takes off and he goes back. When he gets back over there, Elisha says, I know what he asked him. He said, where you been? He lied to the man of God. Right. And uh, uh, Elisha told him, he said, listen, he said, I know where you've been. He said, now the same leprosy that was on him, now it's going to be on you forever. Right? What's the problem here with Gehazi? Right? Let me finish the story. Let me finish the story I'll tell you before I tell you the problem. So I've, and I've told you this story many times. But uh, Gehazi is, is banished out. Then we go and we see a little bit later the story of the four lepers at the gate when there's this tremendous famine. And the four lepers decide they're going to go into the other uh, uh, enemy's camp. And they go over there and find all of this food and clothes and money. And then later on, a little bit later, we see Gehazi, the leper, right, in the palace with the king. Now, we talk, we've explained this, that lepers have to be kept away, right? But how, So how is it? Gehazi had to be one of them four lepers in order for him to get in there with the king. 
So not only is he in there with the king, the king is listening to him tell stories about Elisha. Right? So Gehazi recovered. It would appear that Gehazi developed. But what did Gehazi have to go through to develop? He had to go through getting that leprosy in order for him to develop. Because he got that a second time and they had all of the riches there and he didn't take them for himself this time. He said, uh, he said I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do right by God now. Well, what caused him to do right by God? He got that spanking. That's what caused him to do right by God. So, so one way for you to develop is to go through tough times and go through hard times and hard situations. That'll definitely help you develop if you got good sense. What was Gehazi's main issue that sent him down this road in the first place? Remember when we first started, we read, and he was right there when God did that miracle with the oil. He was right there when the woman didn't have the baby. And, and God, the you know, man of God told her, this time next year you're going to have the baby. He was right there when God raised the baby from the dead. Gehazi was around the miracles of God. Gehazi was around the anointing of God, but he did not have the proper respect for the anointing of God. Didn't respect it. There's a lot of folks in the church house today, in this church, other, other churches, in the kingdom of God period, that do not have the proper respect for the anointing of God. And how do you prove that? You prove it because when you get in a situation where there's a test for you to make a decision to do right or to do wrong or to make the right decision or the wrong decision, you make the wrong decision. It starts with having respect for the anointing of God. This brother saw God do all of these miracles in the middle of it. And he's a part of, he was a part of the whole thing. He was the one that suggested that we, hey, let's believe God for her to have his baby. It came out of his mouth. Right? And so we saw that Elijah, Elisha became the successor of Elijah. We can surmise that Gehazi was supposed to be next in line to be the prophet of Israel. Because he was right there in the middle of it with Elisha. But because of his decisions, he can't say, God, why you put me out the ministry? It was his own decision. Because he did not have the proper respect for the anointing. He didn't have the proper respect for God's work. You can be sitting in the church house, be a good church attendant, and not have the proper respect for the work of God. I'm not talking about temple service. I'm talking about God's agenda, period. This dude's in the middle of miracles. The middle of working next to the man of God. Seeing God's power on display continuously. But he did not have a proper respect for the, for the anointing of God. Therefore, he didn't make the right decisions. What, well, Pastor, how do you translate that into heaven? Listen, right now what we're doing in this church is we're, we're on this personal development. We're on this development thing. We're on this being better for God thing. Yeah. Right? So it's not about when you come here. You say, well, if I'm here this Sunday, I'll hear what the pastor got to say. No, man, it's, I, I record everything. And so it, it's about going back and listening to it, even when you're not here. And it's about being here when you can be here. It's about that. Right? I told you I get people all the time, man, hit me with these excuses why you can't show up. All the time. But do you understand, we're doing something. It's not, this 